I'm Sean Delaney, and you're listening to What Got You There. What Got You There is a must-follow for entrepreneurs, creatives, high achievers, and change makers. Each week, I sit down with some of the world's most influential people and focus on the journey behind their success. We uncover the strategy, tactics, and routines that help them get there. Now it's your journey, so it's time to learn what's going to get you there. What got you there with Sean Delaney? Uh, what got you there with Sean Delaney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with got you, got you? I mean, once you truly can fight, and when I say fight, it's not about fist fighting. It's like, I'm going to dig down. This is hard. I'm tired. I got a pit in my stomach, but I've taken a bad shot. He's running behind me. He's gotten me beat, but I'm going to fight. And I'm not letting this guy get this takedown here. And I'm going to extend this position. And I think when I truly bought into that philosophy, that's when I truly was able to be able to become the best in the world. David Taylor, widely known as the Magic Man, is one of the most decorated American wrestlers of all time. David is a world champion, U.S. champion, two times NCAA champion, a four-time NCAA All-American, four-time Big Ten champion, and he's hoping to add Olympic champion in the 2021 Olympics in Tokyo, Japan. On this episode, David goes deep on his championship mindset, what it takes to be great, and what he's learned from his great coaches. Making change transpire. That's the mission behind the most amazing tasting protein bar brand taking the nutrition industry by storm. That brand, they're MCT Co. And they make the most delicious, keto-friendly, all-natural collagen protein bars. If you're obsessed with the quality of food going into your body like I am, then head out and pick up these amazing bars jammed with 10 grams of collagen protein. They only have two to three net carbs, no added sugar, and loaded with high-quality MCT oil for the healthy fats from coconuts. Whether you're busy running the kids around from activity to activity, a professional athlete, or just someone looking for a great-tasting convenience snack, do yourself a favor. Head to mctco.com and use code WGYT for 20% off your order. David, welcome to What Got You There. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. I love diving into the mindset of some of the world's most successful. But I want to know, you're moments away from walking out onto the mat. What's going through your head when you're about to wrestle? I think um, for me, it's just, I, I kind of just limit to a couple small things. You know, I, I think move my hands, move my feet. Nobody can match my pace and nobody's put the, the work and the preparation that I have. And then the last thing I tell myself is to let it rip. You know, I think a lot of times when we compete or just in life, we overcomplicate it with so many what ifs or, you know, and I think in wrestling, you know, you, you know, those that have wrestled, um, you know, so what if a guy does this or what if I'm doing this or, you know, a game plan or whatever it is, but you know, ultimately the preparation that you put in leading up to that competition is going to determine your result more than anything you're doing during that time. So for me, it's keeping it simple. And if I do those things, then typically it works in my favor. Is this one of those mindsets that you've had throughout your career or is this as you've evolved in your career, kind of adopted that? I think it's definitely changed. I think earlier in my career, like when I was young, you know, youth level, I don't really remember exactly what I was thinking then. It was just a matter of going out and just like kicking butt, you know? Um, I think as I got older, you know, as I had a lot of success and, you know, kind of started to have that expectation of success, um, you know, I was, I was thinking high school is where I probably felt the most anxiety before I would wrestle, no matter who I was, you know, if it was someone that I was better than or someone that was equal to me or better than me. Um, 
I definitely overthought it then, you know, um, felt like it, then I, I felt more limited, you know, even in my skills and my abilities. Um, I felt like things had to go specifically for me to do well. As I got into college, um, I started to, you know, my coaching staff, you know, Kale Sanderson is one of, is, is the greatest, not one of the greatest wrestler of all time. Um, he is the greatest coach of all time. So, you know, our staff that we have with Kale Sanderson, Casey Cunningham, Cody Sanderson, um, and, and are the assistants have, have changed the other, you know, the fourth assistants change over my career, but, you know, I've kind of taken what they've instilled in us on a daily basis. And I've applied that really to my style. And um, the way that I wrestle is, you know, it's gunslinger mentality. It's score, you know, I'm scoring as many points as I possibly can. I frequently give up points and I'm behind early in matches, but I'm very well conditioned. And uh, mentally, I believe that as the match goes on, it favors me. So I think as I've gotten older, matured and used those experiences now, you know, it's keeping it simple. And, um, and ultimately coming back to it, you got to let it rip. You know, if you want to score a lot of points, you're going to be, you're going to give up some points and, and I'm okay doing that, knowing that that result favors me. So many different directions we could go right here. I want to return back to to let it rip, and I want to know how you balance that line between being absolutely amped up and more of a calm, steady, zen mind like state. Are are you just fully revved up, or are you more cerebral at that time? Again, I think experience has changed that. You know, I I think I've wrestled in a lot of big matches in my career, um, just with the success that I've had, you know, and, and then ultimately with the success that you have, you know, you, the matchups, you know, it's like, man, for me, I've always been offensive, very offensive, never on the defense. I've always been someone that scores a lot of points. Um, and, uh, you know, so there's times when you, you know, in college, my senior year, I wrestled Kyle Dake, who is known for his defense. We were like, we were both extremely successful in what we did, but we're completely opposite in the way that we wrestled. I was score 15 points every single match. You know, he was win three to two, but he always had the ability to win by 15. You know, it's just kind of that decision-making of, okay, I'm going to get myself tired. I'm going to wrestle through this tired phase and I'm going to try and continue to score, or I'm good enough to not let this guy score any points. I'm going to win. And that was kind of how we wrestled. So I remember our, our, our matchup, it was the highest viewed. It, it, it has to this day, it's the highest viewed NCAA tournament of all time. And it probably will go down as the highest viewed NCAA term of all time, just because of the storyline and the magnitude of that match. Um, going into that match, I was so amped up. Like I visualized the first 20 seconds in my head that entire season. I'm like, man, I'm going to go out. I'm going to come out full of energy. Um, I'm going to get this first takedown. Uh, and then I never really thought past that. So what happened is that match happened. I mean, it's like all 16,000 people in that arena are on their feet. I mean, it was like, it was so hyped up. It was the first time in NCAA tournament history that they reordered the matches. So we were last match. So we were the 10th match, kind of like the main event UFC type deal. And, uh, you know, running out, I run up on the stage, you know, I'm like, so ready to go shake hands, boom, first 10 seconds, get a takedown, go out of bounds, come back. But it was like, now what, you know, like, what, what am I, you know, Oh, I'll keep scoring points. But then it was like, I stopped in that, you know, I, it was that kind of time we're talking about maturity where, I scored early, but it wasn't like, okay, this guy's great wrestler. I'm just going to keep scoring. It was, this guy's a great wrestler. Now I'm going to try and win this match. That's not the way I wrestle. And I ended up losing that match five to four. Um, and I, I, had, I had more matches in the next couple of years that were like that, where I would be in big matches and uh, just, you know, wouldn't quite win, you know, seven, six. You know, there were matches that I just never really wrestled before. Now, as I'm, you know, kind of fast forward to where I am now, you know, 2018 World Championships, um, you know, my very first match was a retaining world and Olympic champion. So number one pound for pound guy in the world. 
very first match of my first world championships. And I knew that as, you know, he wrestles a high pace and, you know, very similar to what we talked about before, you know, quality of, of opponent. Um, but going into that match, I wanted it, you know, I'm like, I, I want to be the best in the world. I want to wrestle the best guys. I know this is going to be a dog fight. I know that we're going to battle back and forth. We're going to be exhausted, but going to that, that match completely different. You know, I, I visualized the entire six minutes. I understood that this is going to go back and forth. I'm probably going to be losing. I'm going to have to dig deep in the second period in the fourth and fifth minute to find a way to beat this guy. Um, going to that, you know, so I actually remember, you know, warming up, you know, going into that match, you know, walking out to, uh, and instead of running out to the mat, walking out. And at the time, you know, again, this is like maybe the biggest, maybe the second, this is one of the two biggest matchups probably in the world championships of all weight classes. And, you know, walking out to the mat, I remember just kind of like raising my fist up to my fan base. just like, I'm ready to go, you know, walk out there and the match did not start the way I wanted. I was down six to two going into the break with only three minutes left in the match. And then I scored 11 straight points. So, or nine, I'm sorry, nine straight points and won 11 to six. So it was just crazy. The evolution of 2013 mindset to 2018 mindset, with just maturity and experience. Um, so to answer your question, yeah, I want to let it rip. Um, but I also have that calm demeanor of understanding that things are going to happen in this match, but you got to rely back onto those things that you focus on pre-match you know, as the adversity hits during, during your competition. You've mentioned the evolution of those maturity levels a few times now. And I'm wondering that maturity level, is that about experience or can that be rapidly paced up based on great coaching uh, or even just your own self-work? I think it's a combination of lots of things, you know, ultimately, you know, in, you know, in wrestling for those, you know, I maybe aren't familiar with it. It's not, it, it there's a team aspect to it, but it's individual because there's no, you know, when you step on the mat, it's you and that other person. If you're not in good shape, you're going to get tired. You're not going to have a way to, you know, maintain it. If that guy's better than you, you're going to struggle. If you're better than that guy, you have an advantage. If, you know, if there's no, you know, your preparation is going to have such an impact on your performance. Whereas in other sports, man, you know, if there's 11 people on the field and you don't have a great game, there's 10 other people that could have their best games of their lives, right? And you could still be able to move forward. In wrestling, you know, we really have, I mean, you can train all year. You can be the you know number one person in the world. You can be the greatest wrestler, but you really only have to perform in two tournaments, your trials and the world or Olympic championships. Those are the only two tournaments that mean anything. And, and at those tournaments, you have to be at your absolute best. You have to be the number one person in your bracket during that time to be considered the greatest. And if you're not at your best, because other people in the world are great, you know, and if you're not at your best and you lose, that's it. Next year, you have a chance again. There's no seven, you know, best of seven series. There's no, you know, no one else that can help pick you up. If you don't feel great or you're, you're mentally not in the place that you should be, it's going to be very difficult. So I think coaching has a huge aspect on that. But for me, it's what I've found, you know, number one coaching, right? I think, I think the way that I think and I wrestle the way that I do because of the environment that I'm in. And I'm a huge believer of your product, of your environment. Nittany Line Wrestling Club here at in State College, Pennsylvania is the best Olympic regional training center in the world. You know, I'm constantly challenged every single day as I would be if I'm competing against the best guys in the world. So it's just how to, it's structuring that mindset and that practice, how I address the practice every single day. Um, it's going to have a, it's going to have the biggest impact on when you, when you perform, you know, and I think then you throw an experience of, you know, over the last, you know, I don't know, three or four years, you know, in, a, in 2017, 2018, I competed more than anybody in the world. I was average. I was averaging probably 25 to 30 matches a year 
that meant I was traveling every six weeks. I was going overseas, you know, to, you know, Azerbaijan, to Kresniarks, Russia, to somewhere in Europe to, you know, we didn't really have too many domestic competitions to Iran. And in doing so, I was wrestling great competition. And I think that that experience really helped formulate. That was kind of that piece that I was missing. I kind of had the first two. And once I really started to compete and get a, a handle on how I wanted to think and how I wanted to perform, how I wanted to make weight, recover, do all those things, then it kind of gave me that full package as I went into that 2018 World Championships. How much do you do after a match? Are you going back, studying your technique, the opponents, all the little ins and outs, or is it you kind of, you compete, it's done, you move on? There's not enough time, you know, in a, in a mat, like you, it's funny, you know, you put so much time into preparation and practice, you know, you, you train and you wrestle. You know, so a match is six minutes. So it's three minutes, a 30 second break and three minutes. And it, it's fast. I mean, you know, especially the way that I wrestle, I mean, there's not a break at all. I mean, there's no, there's no lapse in, in motion. You know, I'm not calculated in the way that I sit around and wait. I'm like constantly getting people to react. Um, and, you know, it, it's a fast paced match. So you, you know, you practice that way when you get in a competition, you wrestle. And, uh, I mean, you're back on the mat. I mean, early in the early stages of a tournament, you might have an hour, you know, or two hours kind of depending on the size of your bracket and, and that kind of stuff. But as you start progressing to your tougher matches, you're wrestling every 20, 30 minutes. So, I mean, basically it's, it's, you know, and that goes into that experience factor of understanding how to push yourself to that capacity you know of, of real competition and to know how to recover to be able to do that again and again and again and it's going to take four to five matches to win a tournament of that caliber so you come off the mat it's really it's okay move cool down get your mind right to go back out there and battle again you know it's not really much time to to go back and, and really evaluate much of things i mean it's small details at that point your preparation's already done so it's my hey this guy's going to do this be aware you know and it's that point let's go out and let it rip yeah, you mentioned your preparation. You were talking a little while ago about visualization, and I'm, I'm wondering how much of a component do you implement that for each match, and then how long have you been doing that for? I think I've always visualized since I was a young kid, you know, of what I wanted to achieve. You know, I've always wanted to, to be great, and I've always, you know, been able to visualize things where it felt so real that I was getting goosebumps, you know, and, and for me, it's just work, it's keywords, you know, Olympic champion, boom, right now, I, you know, I get uh, goosebumps. You know, I've been thinking about that since for 20 years, you know? So I think when I, when I visualize these matches, you know, and, and the experiences and I try and make them so they seem real to me, you know, to really feel like what it feels like when I'm out there. So I don't really take time to visualize. Cause I just, it's so frequent in my daily routine. You know, my wife will be just looking at me and all of a sudden I'm like moving my hands and she can be like, Oh, you're just, you, I've just lost you. You know, I, I've just, I've lost you to your thoughts, you know? And I think, you know, I, I do that so frequently throughout the day that it's become just routine for me. Um, and I think the more you see it, then, you know, when you do it, it's just, you've seen it so many times that it, you've kind of seen it into fruition. Yeah. I mean, if you truly want to be great at something, it's just got to be ingrained in you, right? Mm -hmm. I'd love to rewind though, because one of the things that's fascinated me most about you is just how you first became involved in wrestling. And then that first season, so I'd love if you could just set the context, what that first season was like wrestling for you. It's such a long time ago. I started wrestling when I was five years old. Um, we lived in Wyoming at the time. So the Evanston Red Devil Wrestling Club was my first wrestling experience. And um, I was a high energy kid, you know, going into practice. And I don't really remember the specifics of practice. You know, I, you kind of have those like pictures of, of a, I remember what the room looked like. 
I don't remember much outside of that. I remember, you know, crying. I remember losing matches. Um, uh, and I lost a lot of matches. I didn't win anything until my very last tournament. So in a wrestling, you kind of have this like peewee circuit where you have your, your kind of five or six local towns and you just kind of show up and you wrestle and you show up and you wrestle. You kind of categorize you know, by your weight class. It, it, weight classes are kind of informal at that point. It's you group people together, you know, these six or eight kids or whatever it is. Um, I didn't win anything until the last tournament and I won. I remember kind of getting the medal and I remember turning to my dad, you know, when's the next tournament? He's like, well, you know, it's, on, it's, you know, it's, it's next year. And I remember being like, man, I can't wait to do this again. So at the end of the season, you know, there's a year in banquet and, uh, you know, you give your awards, you're most valuable wrestler, you're you know, most committed, you get all these awards, you know, and, and basically I feel like I look back and I'm like, wow, well, they basically ran out of awards. So they decided that, you know, oh, this kid, you know, he, he was the worst wrestler, but he paid the best and it was most attentive. So, you know, I, I won the most attentive award and I still, I vividly remember that trophy. I, I mean, we still have it. You know, my parents have most of that stuff now, but it's just like the tiny little plastic with a gold plate, you know, but that meant a lot to me at the time because then, you know, fast forward the next year, two years down the road, you know, that now did that award keep me in wrestling? I don't think so. I think it was, I've always been extremely competitive and I want to win no matter what I'm doing. Um, so I think, you know, maybe yeah, last, you kind of get a taste of what winning felt like, you know, a little bit, but also that award kind of kept me motivated. And then that kind of kept me moving forward. But yeah, I mean, my story did not start of, man, this kid was great right away. I was horrible. I didn't, could not do what I wanted to do, but, but quickly because I was motivated and I wanted to do well, you know, I started to turn in that direction. Yeah. I think that's so inspiring for so many people to, to realize you don't have to start off great to accomplish great things. And, and I would love to know, I, I know this was a really long time ago, but what was that like year two, year three, uh, just to be able to go from no experience, losing most of your matches to all of a sudden really starting to excel. What do you think you did besides just having that internal motivation? I think I, you know, I had extremely committed parents. Um, and I think that's so important, uh, now, no. So now, you know, fast forward to my life. Now I, I run a successful wrestling club here in central Pennsylvania called the M2 training center. And, you know, I think trying to use my experience over time to try and guide this generation of parents and wrestlers, um, to success. And I think that you can, you know, parenting is, 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 I think in success are definitely linked, you know, and I think if there's an app, if parents are absent from that, then you have to really rely on the coach to kind of be that, that parent figure of, of getting that, that kid to be dedicated and buy into the bigger picture, but also having a, you know, what having a parent that's not so overbearing that they drive the kid away, but also supportive of them, you know, so it's, it's such a fine line. So going back to my career, I was very fortunate that my parents were very committed. So, you know, if there was practice three days a week, they were there, you know, I don't, you know, looking back, my parents' schedule was really, it was never about themselves. It was constantly, like, I don't ever remember a time that there was a practice and I wasn't there. And it wasn't like it was optional. It was, okay, if practice is three, four days a week, I was at three or four practices. And I don't ever remember like, well, we got a party that we got to go to. Like my parents, we didn't do, they didn't do that. You know, and that's crazy looking back now and, and now being a parent and understanding the commitment that, you know, our baby's three weeks old. So already, you know, realizing, man, this is, it's wild how your time changes. But my parents were always, it was hundred percent committed to, to my sister and I and, and our events and everything that they did in their lives was structured around pretty much ensuring that we could be where we need to be to have the opportunity. So I think in year two, it was, I got better. Um, I remember there was this kid and I'm pretty sure his name was Braxton Hamilton. And he was just like, he had the big moves. So in wrestling, like you have your technique, 
and at a young age, there's like these, there's three or four moves. You have a headlock, you have like a mixer, you like the home run moves, you know, that, that just work at a high, if you're good at young age, you're strong and you understand those moves, you have a ton of success. The problem is there's a time limit on those moves that eventually when everyone else kind of gets strong and learns how to wrestle, they, they, they aren't as effective anymore. And this kid had them all right. He had the throws, he had this and that pinned me like every tournament we wrestled in. And I remember, you know, it was the end of my, I started to get closer, closer and closer to this kid to the point where, you know, the weight classes were 55 and 50, whatever they were. And I think we wrestled 55 pounds to the point where then he started, I, I, like he was going to a different weight class. And I was like, I want to wrestle this kid. You know, I want to beat this guy. So I remember that I think it was Cokeville, I think was the, this tournament. But I don't, I feel like that's what it was. And my dad had, my, was a pilot for Delta Airlines. And he would remember this, these details better than I would. But he had just got off, of, a, got off his trip and he drove straight to this tournament. And I was sick. I had the flu the night before, but I wanted to go wrestle. So my mom took me to this tournament and I weighed in at like 50 pounds. So I wrestled 50. Well, sure enough, this kid had cut down to 50. So I wrestled him and I beat him that day. And I remember my dad, you know, my dad had showed up, you know, I just kind of showed up. I didn't even know who I was going to wrestle, what I was going to weigh. And that was one of the kind of the first, you know, understanding of, of like success of that year, you know, and I think once I beat the kid, I always beat him. Um, then my third year, you know, I was starting to win everything and in, in locally. So my parents like, okay, what's the next step? All right. It's, it's drive places. It's, you know, we're living in Evanston, Wyoming. Let's look at a, you know, a perimeter of six out every weekend. We were driving to Idaho, Utah, Colorado, you know, and with my dad being an airline pilot at the time, you know, prior to nine 11, it was so easy to non-rev. It was get on a flight and fly to Oklahoma wrestle a tournament that was, and I get two brackets, two age divisions, wrestle 10, 12 matches, get as many exhibitions as I could, because that was my practice. I didn't really have many practice partners because, you know, my, my dad would try and do as much as he possibly would like pre-fatigue me before practice, because if not, it wasn't competitive. So he would get me as tired as I possibly can. Then I go to practice and I would, and he would kind of like rotate people in on me. And like, we like to like basically beg people to come to practice, you know, as my partners at the time, because uh, so my, my practice, and I saw that as not competition. I saw competition as fun as practice. So every time we go somewhere, it was, you know, wrestle 55, 10 and under 12 and under wrestle, you know, go up and wrestle 60 pounds and wrestle, you know, whoever the best person within 10 pounds, we would exhibition that person at the end of practice at the end of the tournament. And that was kind of my third year, but we started going to the, you know, the sort of the national tournaments and I was behind. Um, at the time there was three big tournaments, um, and it was, uh, there's a, it's a Cliff Keen kickoff classic in November, the Tulsa nationals in January and the Reno world championships in April. And it was like, if you won all three, you won this thing called the Trinity award. And, and the kids at that age, if you won a Trinity award, you were the best. If you could, it was accumulation of points over those three tournaments. So I remember my third year, you know, you were kind of talking about how you go to those tournaments and you would just kind of, I would just step on the scale, whatever I weighed, I wrestled. I always would bump up to people, you know, wrestle the best guys. Well, I go to the, the Cliff Keen kickoff classic this is the beginning of my third year and uh i you know my dad's like wow you know dave if you have to make weight you can't wrestle i'm like well what do you weigh i'm like i don't know 56 he's like okay we'll go 58 well eight and under 58 pounds is like insanity at that i remember kids being literally the kid that won i think his name was dallas bailey he was carried on the scale at eight you know whatever at 10 under eight and under whatever the weight class was and I, i was so outmatched like by skill and size and everything but i was i think i went two and two so, you know, with that, you know, we started going to a bunch of tournaments, getting a lot of experience. I went back to Tulsa Nationals in January. 
weigh 55 pounds, wrestle 55 pounds. Um, and I was a match away from placing. I remember I lost to John Keller from Kansas in the round of 12 to not place, but I, I had kind of been like, okay, I'm closer now. Um, then the kid who won that turn was Colin Palmer, who was probably the be- one of the best youth wrestlers I've ever seen. Told, you know, go to, um, you know, go to April, you know, where you've wrestled a full season. I weighed 50, you know, whatever, 54 pounds. And I decided I wanted to go 52 pounds. And it was never my dad's choice of saying, Dave, you're going 52. I'm like, dad, I want to go 52 pounds. I want to win this tournament. He's like, all right, well, if you're going to do it, I guess we'll do it. I go 52 and I won that tournament. And that was kind of the first big tournament that I had won. And at that point, moving forward, that kind of set the standard of, man, I can do well at these big tournaments and continue to succeed. But it kind of all came to my dad always gave me the choice of what weight I wanted to wrestle. Um, if anything, he would step in and tell me that, no, you're going to the next weight class. If I'm like, weigh 75 and I want to go 73, he's like, no, you're going 76. You know, you're not cutting down to 73. So I think he, he never told me that I had to go down a weight class, which was important. And I was always just driven by the competition and wanting to be the best. And, and luckily, my parents kind of continue to provide those opportunities, you know, as I continue to advance. It's so fun hearing about these stories about you bringing up kids from 20 years ago, which I have, yeah. no, I have no idea if these kids went on to wrestle even in high school. And, and you remember these matches vividly. And I'm thinking back to my sports career. I remember the exact same thing, kids that I would just target and I wanted to come after. I'm wondering what other mind games were you doing or what was the narrative like in your head? You were just talking about how internally driven you were for competition. What was it like in your head? I just remember just wanting to practice, you know, I just always wanted to practice. I always wanted to, to go to, uh, well, I take that back. I didn't always love practice, but I love to compete. And, you know, it was like, I had great teachers, you know, back in the day where, you know, they let me miss Fridays and things like that. But I always, I was a great student. My dad's you know, kind of only requirement was your homework needs to be done before. So I remember like, you know, being on the airplane, putting my trade table down, doing my homework, you know, in class, always trying to be ahead, finish my homework before class was over, you know, to be able to, I'm like, okay, well, if I just do my homework and I get good grades, I can go wrestle. This is great. You know, so we go, you know, I remember it was like, I'd love the opportunity to like be in the car for a couple hours and play my Game Boy, you know, or, or whatever it was, and then go wrestle. And, uh, and, and, you know, there were a lot of good wrestlers, youth wrestlers, during, just always, there's always great youth wrestlers. And I was, I was around the, the best, you know, there was these three brothers that were from uh, New Mexico that were awesome. The Adamson brothers, there was, uh, so Colin Palmer, I mentioned. So it's kind of like, as I started to you know go around these tournaments, we had this friendship and we used to, the Logan Steber. So these are some of the greatest wrestlers of all time, um, you know, at a youth level, at a high school level that we kind of all grew up together. And we had this club called the, the Bad Boys Club, where we had these cool black singlets, gold riding, Bad Boys Club. We'd get together. So the Adamsons lived in New Mexico um, and they would kind of part-time live, live with their mom in Utah. So I trained with, with Dak and Riley pretty frequently. Dak and I competed a lot in our careers. Um, Riley and I create only competed a couple times in our careers and Colin Palmer and I competed only once and Logan Steven and I competed twice. So most of the time we were separated by either age or weight classes. So we would just run it up like 55, 60, 65, 70. And that was kind of the first experience for me of being on team. You know, we kind of felt like that we'd warm up together. We'd sit with each other in the stands. You know, we'd, you know, every dad was different. You know, my, my dad was definitely the most lax of all of the dads. Um, and there were some extreme, um, there was a couple of dads that were extreme crazy, but, um, it might, you know, you're getting your products around your environment. So there were times my dad got a little bit crazy, but I mean, I look back and 
know, his, he just, his was more of just the expectation of, you know, understanding like, Hey, if you're going to commit to this, let's, let's do it to the best of our abilities, you know? And anytime that he was really frustrated with me was if I was just like being a baby, if I was crying and not putting forth my best effort, that was really the only time that, and it was more of an accountability thing. And look back, those lessons that I learned are the reason why I'm successful now. Um, obviously there were some, some blurred lines around that time, you know, when you're just a kid and you know, whatever you, there are, but I think, so kind of give you an idea, like I looked for those tournaments because it was like being around my friends, you know, and being, and like, we could go, it was like fun to, you know, at the end we win the team tournament, you know, and it was like, we had this great group. We get together and all the dads would get together. would be able to call this headbangers ball where basically it was like all these crazy dads would get their best kids together and we would just beat the crap out of each other. The kids and the dads would be like every the kids would be crying every single, every single practice, you know, and dads would take turns, basically kind of taking pride on whose son was the best of the day, you know, but uh, it was kind of crazy looking back, but you know, we all would turn around and like be really successful in the tournaments. Man, now, do I think that this is necessary to be successful? I don't, I would, I don't encourage my kids to do this kind of stuff now. You know, I think there's other paths that are good, but my dad didn't know any better. You know, it was like, Hey, these guys are the best guys. If we can kind of do what they're doing, then we'll be successful. Well, it turns out they all burn out. I'm the only, only one that continued. It's the only wrestling still to this day. You know, most of those kids didn't even make it to college. So, you know, it just, it didn't work. It worked at that youth level, but it didn't work long-term. You know, only two of us made it to the college level and two of us ended up being great, but those other kids that were better than us at that age. Uh, so Logan Siever and I both became four-time state champions, uh, multiple-time national champions and world champions um, out of that group. But the other guys didn't even wrestle in college. You know, they were so either burnt out or injured by the time they got through high school that they couldn't even really compete anymore. So you, you kind of look back and put it in perspective. But to answer your question, like what did I think about it? it was like it was just fun for me. It was let's go be around my friends, be around my teammates. Let's win these tournaments. That's, you know, it's um, and that was the way I looked at it. I absolutely love hearing these stories, just so you know, this is really cool for me. But you mentioned in year three when you started to have some success. When did you realize that? you were capable of truly being great in this sport and not just winning some youth tournaments. So I would say, you know, the years I'm trying to think exactly. So my third year I was, you know, I gone to where, you know, I was, I was the best in my little area and I was, I was like a guy that would go to those big tournaments. And I, you know, I, the guys that I remember wrestling, like consistent, we're like kind of same age, same weight. We uh, kid from Florida named Eric Rojales, Dak Adamson, um, those are the kind of the two guys. I remember we had a lot of rivalry. We went back and forth in our careers. Um, and we would beat most of the other kids. There were a couple other kids that were good, but I would kind of go at that point. I'd be, you know, a top four guy, you know, I'd win some of the tournaments. I might lose to one of those guys or we, you know, we'd all kind of take turns winning. I would say by my, by my fourth, I'm trying to think now I'm trying to think my age, but by the time when I was 12, 12 and under, I think, um, 11 and under, I, I made this jump from, you know, winning these tournaments to dominating everybody uh, where I would go and be five matches. And I would literally, I would tech fall all five guys and that's 15 points and some guys in the first or second period. So i had made a really big jump. And I remember it was kind of the reason I changed the way that I wrestled was based on the most outstanding wrestler award. And it was given to the person that had the most pins in the least amount of time. So you know, early in my career and I kind of third, fourth time, you know, well, yeah, you, everyone wants to, you want to win, but now you want to be the most outstanding wrestler in your age division. So that's across all, you know, all 10 and under weight classes. 
know, whoever has the most pins and the most amount of time or 12 and under for whatever the age group is, you win the outstanding wrestler. So now you're the best and you're the most dominant. And that's where the competition side kind of came in. So yeah, I won a couple of those awards pinning guys, but I kind of got this path where I wasn't pinning guys. I was getting frustrated and I wasn't wrestling very well. And my dad saw that trend and he's like, no, nope, we're done with that. You're not, you're, you're not allowed to go out and try and pin this dude in the first period. Let's go out and get five different takedowns and then we'll get three different turns. And I got motivated by doing that. And I, and it was, it was so much easier for me to score 15 points in a match than it was to try and pin somebody. Um, and I'm, and I started winning those awards way more frequently because it was really hard for someone to get five pins in a tournament or th even three pins in a tournament, but I could get five tech falls, which counted as a pin, you know? And, uh, I started winning those outstanding wrestlers almost every tournament I went to, but by truly being the most dominant wrestler, I would literally, I mean, I, you know, in a five match period, I would score 70, 80 points, you know? And, uh, and that's when I really kind of take, take that next step. I had a lot of technique. I was mentally, I was just like, step out there. Um, I was, I was the best and that was the way I thought. And that, I think that's when, um, it's kind of like, wow. Okay. I was so kind of caught up that I didn't, you know, I always thought about being a national champion. I always had those goals, but I don't really remember looking forward too much. It was just for me, it was like, okay, let's go to the next tournament and I want to be the best. And then it was just, as I went up in age groups, it was a different type of competition and, and level of expectation. Yeah. It, it's really cool to hear you talk about the games inside of the game that, that you're playing once you reach that, reach that elite level status. And you mentioned just even thinking about being a national champion. Why'd you end up choosing Penn state? So, you know, growing up, I think the biggest impact that was on my career was, um, was definitely Kale Sanderson. Um, you end up being my coach at Penn state just to, at that point, when I was eight years old, he was going through his competitive career at Penn, at, um, at Iowa state. And he rest. That's why I wrestled the way I did. I remember watching because like when I would go work out, you know, and I'd lift or do my exercises or whatever it is, you know, like I didn't, all I wanted to watch was either highlight videos of wrestling moves, you know, of like, you know, whatever it was, or I wanted to watch the replay of the NCAA wrestling finals. And I remember it's like, okay, you watch and it's like, this guy wins five to three, this guy wins three to two, this guy wins in double overtime. And then it was Kale just dominating people as a freshman, you know, scoring 20 points. And then it's like, wow, I want to be like this guy, you know, this guy is just dominant. And I knew I, I informally knew Kale at the time. So when I started to be good by my second, third year, we started driving, my parents would have to drive, you know, to get partners. And we started driving to Wasatch, Utah. Um, and that's where Steve Sanderson, Kale's dad was the head coach of, that's where the boys, all the Sanders, you know, Sanderson boys all wrestled at Wasatch. So when they would come, you know, Steve was one of my first coaches. And when those boys would, you know, Kale and Cody and Cole would come back from Iowa state, they would wrestle on the holidays, you know? And I remember kind of being around them and seeing them and, you know, rolling around with them and stuff at the time. And that meant so much to me. But then I remember, I felt like I knew Kale, like I know him, you know, and I watched him wrestle and I remember going to tournaments and, and going up and, and try, you know, he'd be signing autographs at Tulsa nationals. And I would take all my buddies up there and I'd go up like, I, you know, I don't think he'll probably even remember me, but I would act, you know, he would, yeah, oh yeah, Dave, how you doing? You know? And I, I would like, be like, so cool because I could take my friends up to, to talk to Kale, you know? And, and, but that was the impact that he had on me. So that's why I was always thought in my head, I'm like, I want to, you know, okay. I hope that, you know, he achieves his goals. I'll, I want to achieve my goals like him. And I hope that he coaches somewhere and I want him to be my coach. So he was the coach at Iowa state at the time. He kind of took over head coaching job for his alma mater. 
And I chose to wrestle there as a junior in high school. So I just kind of never really opened up the recruiting process. You know, I was getting contacted by every coach in the country, but I kind of shut it down pretty quickly. And I just went, I was like, I just want to go wrestle with Kale as a junior. And I remember I was only 112 pounds and, uh, you know, the minimum wrestling weight in college is 125. And I was, you know, always, you know, thought of as you know the next level, but everyone, the biggest, I'd say, uh, when I was in high school that people critique was I was, you know, my success was at 103, 103 and 112 by my junior year. So people are like, I don't know if this kid's even going to be big enough to wrestle at 125. Well, the people that really, I remember, I remember Ohio state thought I'd be 141. I, I remember John Smith at Oklahoma state thought I'd be 149. I remember Kale telling me I was going to be big 157, 165 because they looked at my dad. My dad was six feet tall and, you know, 200 pounds. And, but I mean, I remember a lot of coaches recruiting from 125. You know, they'd be like, oh, I think you're a 125 pounder. That, so I went as 112 pounds, I committed to, to Iowa State with the, you know, believe, you know, he believing that I was going to be bigger, you know, in my career. And, uh, you know, that next year, I soon, after my junior year, I grew to 135 pounds my senior year in high school. And then after my senior year, I would all plan on going to Iowa State. And Kale took the kind of really shook wrestling up and took the job at Penn State. And, uh, I was just, I remember instantly like, well, I'm not, the only reason I was going to Iowa State was because of Kale. And, uh, you know, the whole coaching staff, Cody and Casey uh, went to Penn State and I, I was just like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I remember my head be willing to just, if I was going to miss a year of, of eligibility, I was willing to do that to go there. But I was able to get a release from my scholarship and uh, then I just, I followed Kale to Penn State and then I went there. During your time at Penn State, what's it like getting to compete for the greatest of all time? I, I just want to know what it's like having a coach at that level. What do you take away from him? I mean, it's such a, you know, the, I, you know, there was times, you know, Kale has always been to me, like uh, like a big brother, you know, cause he, he's the, he's the youngest of, you know, Kale, Cody and Casey, he's the youngest. So when I was younger, it was like playing, you know, we'd go over, I we play video games, you know, and it's like, we had the same, I'm like, man, he's so cool. We have the same thing. We both like playing star Wars battlefront you know? And, uh, so he's always kind of had, we've always had that relationship. And I think at, you know, it's always been, you know, coach and big brother, whereas, you know, Casey and Cody have, you know, kind of always been, you know, at the time I'd say until, you know, till now at this point in my career coach first, kind of like maybe like friend second, if that makes sense. So, um, so with Kale, you know, I would say just the experience of all three of those, I've had different times of my relationship has kind of gone dip, all three of them. You know, I've leaned on them different ways for different expertise. And I think I got, I got really close with Cody in college because I was, you know, he went through with what Kale went through with the expectation, the way that he wrestled, you know, and when I was having troubles with, you know, maybe it was the expectation. Cause it was like, for me, my entire life, it's never been, you know, it's always, I've always, you know, since I was good, it was always a man, this kid could be great, you know, but nah, he can't be great because he's too small or, you know, he's not strong enough or, you know, it was like, they could always find ways to say that I wasn't good enough, you know? So it was like, always kind of figure out that way. And then it was like, but the expectation was always to win and dominate. So it's like, if I won by five points, I'm like, nah, he's declining. He's not as good as he used to be, you know, it's great. You know, but it's like, if I won, got to the point in college where it's like, if I, if I, didn't win by a week. So a major decision in wrestling is eight points. So if I didn't win by eight points, people would be like, they would think something was wrong with me. And I was like getting worse, you know? So it was, it was like, I was kids expectation of, I wanted to be the best and I wanted to dominate people, but everyone's expectation for me was also to dominate people. And that was, I think real, I mean, I'd say Kale and I are probably the only two people 
maybe ever would have had that type of expectation around us. Um, and it wasn't like we would dominate with like one move. It's not like we would get, you know, okay, we had a great tilt. And all we did, if we got one takedown, we could tilt and beat everybody. It was the way that we could wrestle and score from every position. And um, I think that's where we're most comparable in that way, in expectation and also in ability. So Cody, I can lean on a lot with, man, I'm really, you know, how, how did you, how, how could you help with him here? Or like, what was this? So we got, I got really close with him. And then with Kale was always just, you know, the, it was a technical side and, and going out and, and when we wrestled and I just, you know, him being in my corner uh, and his expertise and just aura of what he's meant to me in my career has been so impactful. And then as I've gotten older, I've developed, you know, at this point, my, you know, really, I guess, you know, if you could say my personal coach is Casey Cunningham. And I think because when I was in college, you know, being 157, 165 pounder, Casey Cunningham was the middleweight coach. And uh, as I got better, he was the guy that really, I think has made me become who I am now from a mental toughness standpoint, because I was always talented, but I think it was a time in my career. And it's hard to say this when things got hard, um, you know, if I was in a close match, it was hard for me to be able to, I guess, process how to win those close matches. Cause I was always dominated people. Um, and, and Casey was the one that really got me to learn how to like truly fight in wrestling, you know, understanding the importance of these positional battles. And cause he was, I mean, he was just stronger than me. He was way more experienced than me. He was my coach. Um, and he just knew how to really challenge me to the next level. And I think I've really grown as a wrestler with him over the last four or five years. And he travels with me all over the world. You know, if we go to any tournament that we go to, he's with me, you know, and I think, um, and now he's become, you know, my coach and my really good friend. So I have a really great relationship with all three of them, but different points in my career, I'd say Kale the earliest, then Cody, and then Casey have all had such a huge impact on me at different times and in different ways. You mentioned the impact Casey's had on the mental toughness. Do you have any examples in terms of how he's gotten that out of you? I mean, I, I just, you know, I was a really talented kid, you know, in terms of wrestling skill, you know, and stuff, but I was never strong ever in my entire life. I was always pretty weak. Actually. I was very, I remember always taking pride in me. No, I'm wrestling strong, you know? And I was, I, I leverage and I, I knew how to use my body, you know, and how to do things. But when it came to pure strength of, you know, grabbing a leg, pulling it in, I never had that. Casey is the strongest human being in the world. Like he, I remember like in times where I'd be on a single leg and he would sprawl and in wrestling, it's like called using your hips. And like some people just have, it's like, you know, either, you either have it or you don't have it. And some guys have these like heavy hips and Casey's are like cinder blocks. And I remember being like, okay, I'm the best college wrestler. I'm, you know, I'm most dominant. Okay. Casey, you want to go with me today? Yeah. Okay. Shoot a single leg. And it was just like, I seriously thought that if he used all his strength, he would break my shoulders off. And so, I mean, basically in, in a little thing, you know, it's like, if you, from a mental toughness standpoint, if you let, if you let somebody just run behind you. So it's like in wrestling, if you take a bad shot and you're in what's called a front headlock. And this, I think that one of the biggest demonstrations of mental toughness is, okay, yeah, there's skill involved for this guy to get a go behind. And, 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 but for you underneath to not let this guy get this go behind is so important. And, you know, for him, it was like, you know, I would get there, he'd, you know, pull me in a bad shot, he'd run behind me. And he'd be like, you can't let me run behind you. You got to fight more. You know what I mean? As a wrestler, like, if someone tells you to fight more, it's like the most insulting thing ever. You're like, well, I'm trying to fight, you know? And I think over time that has resonated to me so much. And now that I'm a coach, that's my biggest thing that I emphasize with my kids is fight. 
I'm like, if you guys are willing to fight in these positions, specifically in a go behind, that's like my number one position for them. Then I can teach you to be a great wrestler. I can teach you all the techniques in the world. I'll give you all the things, but your number one test of mental toughness is if you're in front of lock, nobody goes behind you. And, and if someone does go behind you, you're making them fight every second for that takedown, you know? And I think, and, and, and I've, I've looked in my career and some of my biggest matches that I've won that have been tough have been not refusing to give up the go behind and, and either not letting the guy score or scoring from that position. And that's just like, for me, that's, that's where Casey, I think made the biggest impact on me. And once you truly can fight. And when I say fight, it's not about fist fighting. It's like, I'm going to dig down. This is hard. I'm tired. I got a pit in my stomach, but I've taken a bad shot. He's running behind me. He's gotten me beat, but I'm going to fight. And I'm not letting this guy get this takedown here. And I'm going to extend this position. And I think when I truly bought into that philosophy that he kind of instilled, he's been instilling in me for six, seven years. That's when I truly was able to be able to become the best in the world. And uh, I think that's was such a huge impact. Yeah. You mentioned the fighting, the digging down deep. Uh, it's, it's almost making my engine start to rev here. Just thinking about some of those moments, having to dig deep throughout sports. Do you have any stories or memories? And I'm hoping you can just relive the most grueling practice or workout you've ever had. Oh boy. I mean, I've been in high school, you know, we had some tough ones. My coach was, was just, I mean, we were overworked constantly. You know, we were always ran to the ground and the flop. We had a great high school program, but the philosophy was cut a lot of weight, be in great shape, you know, and, and, and that was kind of the main two things, you know, and, 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 and technique kind of came second. All we did was wrestle live. And I remember, I remember, I mean, we had some practices. I, I can't even, I mean, they were, they were so kind of repetitive. That it was the same always, but they were always hard. I mean, there were times we wrestled hours of live wrestling hours, you know, of new partner, you know, whatever it was. Um, so I don't really specifically remember one then. Um, now in my training, um, we, uh, I, I train with the training lab to strengthen, uh, Sam Calvita is my strength and conditioning coach at California. And he is, um, the work. I mean, every single Tuesday that I have with him is it's like, it trumps the one before it's so hard. And, um, so that is plays a huge thing. I mean, I can't tell you a specific one per se that's really difficult um, because it's like every time I leave, I'm, I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. So I can't, it's hard for me to really say like what practice has been the absolute toughest for me. Um, I would say for me and my, because of the way that I wrestle, I kind of wear people down. So I'd say that the practices for me that have been the toughest is when someone rotates in on me. So it's me and like three or four other people. And every, you know, two minutes you switch to a new partner or a new partner's coming in on you because I never really get a chance to like my, where I thrive is not the first two minutes. It's like the last four minutes. So, you know, I never really get a chance to like really truly wear. And I wrestle such a high pace that I'm going to like that first partner when I'm done and they switch, they're dead. They're going to probably barely survive the next partner. Well, Whoever I switched to, they weren't really wrestling that hard. And I've already gone really tough, but I'm to that point where I'm about to break this, my opponent, but now I have a new partner. So those, whenever those part, when those practices are, those are the ones that are the toughest for me. Can you talk about your style? I would love to know even just mentally how you handle being down early in matches and knowing you're going to come on late. I just think it's, I don't really think about, I don't think of it as like, oh, I'm losing 
I, I, in the matches that, you know, the three probably biggest matches that I've had over the last, you know, three or four years, two were the same guy. Um, Hassania's Donnie from Ron, the guys mentioned that the returning world Olympic champion in 2017, I wrestled him. Well, I wrestled in the world cup and I hadn't really had that much success internationally yet. Um, I had just went up a weight class. I had really kind of recommitted and refocused to all those kind of things that I've talked about. I've kind of, I started to understand in that maturity. I've been competing throughout the year. In the world cup, the pool that we were in, <clears throat> we had Azerbaijan, uh, Russia, Georgia, and our pool, um, which are, you know, those are the, you know, some of the top and the United States. So those are like, I mean, come out the wrestling countries. I mean, those are pretty much four perennially the best wrestling countries in the world. And then the finals, we would have Iran. Iran was on the other side of the bracket. So, and, and the guys that I knew I would wrestle in that tournament was a junior world champion from Russia, um, a world and Olympic bronze medalist from Georgia, and a world and Olympic champion from Azerbaijan. And then Iran was a world, the returning well, world and Olympic champion from Iran. So I knew at that point, I was on minimum wrestle for our team one. I was on two Olympic champions, you know, countless world champions, world medalists, all the best guys in the world. And I hadn't really beaten anyone to this, to that ability yet. So I went to that tournament and I, I was losing in, uh, in, in three of those four matches I was losing. And I remember the first match I was wrestling in Georgia and I was losing with a, until about 45 seconds left. And I just, I double like this guy to his back and ended up going up and winning that first match. But he had, it was, it was just like, he was exhausted. He couldn't even come back to the center and like stand up. Next match, I wrestled a guy from Russia right off the bat. He forward me. I was down four zero and in wrestling like a, like a, a feet to back four pointer, like the probability of someone getting a four and winning is probably like almost 90% because it's to beat that. You, you basically have to score three times to overcome that scoring deficit. So I'm down four zero in the first 20 seconds. Well, by the end of the first period, this guy is so tired. He can't even stand up. I ended up tech following him like shortly in the second period. And he was like laying on the mat. This guy was a junior world champ. Then the next match, I had the world Olympic champion from Azerbaijan, who actually, you know, when he, um, I mean, he, he was, I mean, he, he has been unbelievable. I mean, he's won, I don't know how many medals he's won, but I just kind of overwhelmed that guy right from the get-go. I tech-fault him 12 to 2. So then I'm like, wow, I have all this momentum going. These guys can't wrestle with my pace. Um, my, everything's kind of click. But now I have Yazdani, who's, I mean, he is probably the, he and I wrestle the two hardest, fastest paces. We just exhaust our opponents. And we wrestle so similar in the way that we wrestle. And uh, I'm getting, like, just dominated. It's in Iran. This arena is insane, crazy. Like, it's like you're just exhausted by the atmosphere. It's like it feels like it's so heavy on you. And I'm getting dominated, not really on the scoreboard, but the mat. I was down um, I was down three to zero um, on three pushouts. And on two of the pushouts – they gave me, they called me for fleeing the hold. So, uh, on a third caution, you're out of the match. So I had two cautions down three zero and he's just dominating me. So it's like, basically if I get pushed out of bounds again, or if I even take like a step backwards in, in the next four minutes of this match, I'm going to lose by disqualification. And I got the last, I got a takedown with one second left in the first period. So it's like, I go into break three to two, I kind of been dominated, but now I'm only one score away from being in the match. And I remember coming back out of the break and he's so used to just dominating people and there and everyone else can't even function with him. And now I've kind of got him to the point where he can't function. And uh, I remember there was a really key moment where we're going back and forth 
and with this go behind position and he was getting a go behind and I held a quad pod. So if you if a guy's going to go behind and you touch a forehead and elbow or a knee, you give up a takedown and I held it. So I'm like on both my hands and both my feet and I give up only a push out. So it's like the momentum of him thinking he's gonna get a takedown, but now he did all that work and only got one push out. We come back in the middle, I get the next takedown. So now it's four to four. And I remember looking over and being like, wow, I'm winning on criteria. I have two takedowns. He has four pushouts. And I got the next score, the next takedown. Now I'm up six to four. And I remember thinking in my head, like, this guy is going to have to take me down twice to beat me. Um, that's not happening. He takes a shot. I get a reattack. I take it down his back and pin him in a run. And it was like, that was really the first time that I broke through that mental toughness, where it was a match that I wasn't supposed to win that I won and I, the way that I won and that really kind of springboarded me to where I am now. You've got a pretty remarkable memory for reliving your matches. Uh, I mean, it's just, I feel like it's those ones because they're, they're vivid to me, you know, and, and I think in the, in the impact that they've had, I'm um, not all of them are like that, you know, but those ones that have, I think helped me mentally get to the, where I am now have uh, definitely have more of a lasting impact. You've got so many moments throughout your career that someone would, would work their entire life to accomplish that. State championships, national championships, world championship. What do you deem as the most satisfying? World championship, for sure. Because I think my expectation and everyone's expectation was I was going to win state championships. I was going to win national championships. Um, it was a matter of kind of like, my expectation was when four state championships or four national championships, you know, and I really truly hundred percent believe that I was going to do that. Um, you know, I lost, I lost three times to college, two of them were in the finals. So I think the next thing I was kind of thinking of was I remember my first national championship. I was just mostly relieved more than anything else. You know, I kind of like achieved that. Um, and then it was kind of looking forward, but I think world and Olympic titles are, I mean, it's, you're truly the absolute best in the world. And it's such a hard thing. And I think I realized it when I got out of college, how hard that truly was. Cause I wasn't close. I was getting, I mean, I went from that dom guy that I was to not even placing in tournaments going, I mean, a lot of tournaments, the only tournaments I was really placing winning one are ones that were perceived not to be very tough, you know, and I was, I was just so far behind the best guys in the world at the time. So I think to be, I mean, once you're the best in the world, you are, you know, no one can take that from you ever the rest of your life. And I think it's a hard thing to accomplish. Um, so that, that to me is the most exciting, you know, unfortunately, you know, um, you know, due to injury last year, you know, I didn't, I felt like after 2018, you know, I was in this position where I was, I was, you know, I still am, you know, but, you know, to be able to miss basically now two years, you know, 2019, I missed to an injury 2020 we missed to the coronavirus. It's, it's really frustrating to be, you know, I believe, um, you know, I step on the mat, you know, I, I really believe a lot in my abilities. So this is definitely the toughest time, you know, winning in 2018 and now basically being two years removed from competition, but it's, uh, but that's definitely my, my most valued. Can you dig deeper on your self-belief? Can I? Yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear about that. Even when you step onto a mat, is there a moment where you have doubt? No, there isn't. Um, because of, it's just because of the work that I put in outside of the room. I just know that. And everyone says they work hard and everyone does. And at the, at the, the, you know, in high school, everyone works hard and college people work hard and I worked hard, but what I did then and what I do now, I'm in comparison. You know, I, I always deem myself the hardest worker my whole life, but what, again, what the commitment level that I have to being the best now is, 
is not even in comparison to them, you know, just with my diet, my training, my recovery, the way that I wrestle and practice, like the way I wrestle in competition, people just aren't willing to do that. Um, because it's, it's really hard it's really fatiguing. Um, and you have to be willing to take risks and that's just that people aren't willing to take those. Um, and I'm willing to take more, you know, my philosophy is, yeah, I could, I'm going to take 10 shots and score five. You know, I'm not going to ever take two and score one. And I might take 10, get scored on three times, but I still believe I can score five. And I think that that gives me a lot of self-belief. And I go out there and if I get beat in my matches, it's because the guy beat me. I don't, you know, a lot of times early in my career, I lose because I just didn't really give everything I had, you know, um, very few times ever in my life that I get beat, whereas I gave everything and I lost. Most of the time it was, I held it back. I didn't wrestle the way that I wrestled. I've truly been able to now wrestle and give everything that I have. So if someone beats me, they beat me and they can be the best in the world at that point in time. And, and that's not really, I don't think that's arrogance. I don't believe that that's just, and that's not really in confidence. That's just belief in, in the facts of what I'm willing to do over six minutes and the preparation that I put into it. Speaking about your preparation, I would love for you just to dive into to what that preparation actually looks like, even, even in terms of how are you structuring your day right now? How much are you putting into training? And then I'm even hoping we can dive a little bit deeper into, into diet. I mean, right now it's tough, right? I mean, we're, we're all stuck in our houses, so it's making the most of this time, you know, and um, I have, I've, I've been able to make a, make a gym in my garage. You know, I, I communicate frequently with, with coach Cal in California and my workouts are really difficult you know, in the way that he's challenged me, we're making progress in ways that, you know, we couldn't make if I was competing. Um, wrestling wise, I'm, I'm, I'm not wrestling right now just because no, no one is right. I mean, I'm, I'm just focused on, uh, you know, stance in motion and things that I can control, you know, and doing that really focus on my visualization. And, you know, I know that when I get back to the room, you know, within two weeks, I'll be back ready to go because of just the discipline that I have and, and everything else in my life. But it's, yeah. I mean, it's a challenging time, you know, on a normal day, you know, my, my schedule is re- very routine and structured, you know, it's really for me, it's, it's, you know, Saturday through Friday or whatever, however you want to do that. Sundays are my off day. Um, but I'm throughout the week, it's pretty regimented with, you know, 9am, um, you know, working out of some capacity, um, coming back at one thirty, practicing, you know, then balancing, you know, my, my life with my wrestling club at night at seven o'clock, so it's, it's a pretty routine schedule right now. I, I like routine. I like being busy. This is tough for me to be able to, to have to sit around and, and have so much, um, lapse in, in time, but just like everyone trying to make the most of it. What about just leading up to, to Tokyo here now going to be in, in July of 2021, how strict is your diet and what is that diet going to look like? Well, I mean, I think, uh, can't give away my secrets, you know, in terms of, you know, the way I live, but I, I just think it's about living a clean lifestyle, you know, and I think it's, it's clean and just the things that you're putting in your body, you know, looking at the ingredients and labels, you know, for me, it's really, it's a diet that's composed of, you know, you know, organic or sustainably sourced as much as possible, you know, and I know it's uh for me, I look at it as an investment into my health, you know, it's like, if you, if you have a Ferrari, you're not going to put cheap gas into it. And I think that's just the way that I look at it. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, I eat a lot, you know, four to 6,000 calories a day, depending on where I am. And, um, so it's, it's constantly eating, you know, sometimes big meals, sometimes small meals, you know, and and mixing that stuff up over time, your body is amazing how it adapts. So, you know, you constantly got to kind of keep it guessing and keep it on its, on its toes, you know, and I try not to ever fall into too much of a routine, but I, I, I rely heavily on, on coach Cal, 
you know, in his advice and, and his structure and um, I'm very coachable and what he wants me to do. So it's, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, you're talking about it's one year to achieve something that I've been working for 29 years for. So trying to do the most that I possibly can to, uh, you know, keep, keep the engine running. Yeah. We're definitely gonna be rooting for you, uh, at the Olympics coming up here. We're about to wrap up just a few more quick ones. I would love to know what have you found about world champions or national champions? That's just different that, that people from the outside wouldn't understand unless you're, you're spending time. You're really understanding how that engine works. What, what makes that engine run? I think it's just, it's, it's like the unique competitiveness. Um, you know, the, you know, guys that have, you know, there's sometimes guys that win national titles that aren't the best guys in the bracket. Right. And, but they're the best on that day or the over the last three days. And it's because of the way that they can compete, you know, and, and different guys have different ways to win. Some guys, it's so much strategy, you know, some guys it's, you know, have, it's just being on at the right time, you know, and I think some guys are just the best guys in the bracket, right. There's, there's a definitely a variation there, but I think, you know, to be, to win a tournament of that caliber, you know, national it's the best guys in the country, you know, world champions, best guys in the world, you got to compete and want to win more than anything. You got to be willing to, to, you know, to really do what it takes in those matches to, uh, to over, you're going to overcome adversity at some point in time. And, and how do you handle that when you address it? If you could wrestle any pro athlete or celebrity, who would it be? Yeah. The rock Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> I love the rock. I think he's the man. So, I mean, I think, you know, I don't follow a lot of celebrities and stuff on social media, but he's someone that I follow. And, uh, every time I post, I'm like reading about it. I think just the way that he balances everything he does is uh, pretty pretty special. So he's definitely someone I'd want to wrestle and spend some time with. Yeah, I'm a big fan as well. Here we go, final one. When it's all said and done, David Taylor will be known for. Um, I just think, you know, being someone that's truly 100% bought in to perfecting the craft. And, and not trying and trying to use the tools that I've been given to truly be the absolute best that I can be. I love it. I love it. Where else can the listeners stay connected with you? I know we're going to have everything linked up in the show notes, but anywhere you want them to be directed right now. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, my Instagram, my Twitter is the same magic man underscore PSU. And I, I try and, uh, you know, document my story of, of, you know, wrestling, you know, owning a wrestling club, my wife and I own a juice business, you know, now being a dad, um, being a dad of three cats, being a, you know, a dad to London, our, our newborn baby. So, you know, I think, you know, that's, uh, that's really probably the best way someone can follow me. Yeah. Congratulations on the newborn and David, thanks again for joining us on what got you there. Yeah. Thank you guys. You guys made it to the end of another episode of what got you there. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen all the way through if you found value in this, the best way you can support the show is giving us a review, rating it, sharing it with your friends, and also sharing on social. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Looking forward to you guys listening to another episode.